What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. As always, thank you for joining me. So in this episode, I will review LSU's series win over the Georgia Bulldogs. I'll go over each of the three games, talk about the key points from a hitter's and pitcher's perspective. I'll tell you the three big things that I learned from this weekend. How did my get right, stay right predictions do? And then finally, an SEC rundown. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast on Apple, Google, all the major audio platforms. If you're viewing this on the YouTube channel, please make sure to subscribe to the channel. And also, once again, make sure to interact with me on Twitter. The handle is at 60FT6IMLSUPod. If you missed a previous episode, I did the breakdown of Georgia heading into the weekend. And as always, you can find that content on all major audio platforms. And then once again, on the YouTube channel. So the Tigers win their seventh SEC series of the year. They have now secured a three seed in the upcoming SEC tournament, which begins this week. LSU moves to 42 and 13 on the year. They finish 19 and 10 in the SEC, which is good for second in the SEC West. Currently, their RPI stands at four. When I was doing some research, one site had three, but a couple others had four. So I will go with four at this point. And obviously, they have locked up a top eight national seed. Even if they go 0-2 in the SEC tournament, they may drop to a six seed. But if they end up you know, doing really well, and maybe they beat an Arkansas, a Florida, a Vanderbilt on their way to the championship game, you could see them maybe move up to a three or a two seed, depending on how some other teams shake out. All right, let's get into it. This weekend in Athens, on Friday night, LSU wins the opener by a score of 8-5 to five in extra innings and look dicey there for a while. But in the end, the hitters come through. You get a great pitching performance, really two very good pitching performances, and LSU pulls away with some clutch hitting at the end. Starting off with pitching, first and foremost, Paul Skeens. He gives you exactly what you need from him in that Friday night role. This time it was a Thursday night role, so in that number one spot. And on a night when his velocity seemed down, uh, he looked to be anywhere from 96 to 98, maybe a couple 99s in there. And I thought at times, he had a good feel for a breaking ball. When he needed it, that thing was on the corner. But other times, he was really trying to, I don't know if he was overthrowing it or just holding on to it long. As you saw a couple, uh, more than a couple, actually going to the left-handed batter's box. And um, so I thought he was fighting himself a little bit during the night. You could see he was frustrated with himself. But uh, he delivers a fantastic performance when LSU needed him to. And what you saw is he really only got into trouble in one inning. You know, he gives up two runs on a solo home run, then that's followed up by a double and a single as Georgia scores two. He worked out of trouble in the six, and that was it for the Bulldogs. On the night, Paul Skeens goes seven innings, giving up four hits, two runs, two earned, one walk, which is massive. He doesn't walk a lot of people. And then once again, double-digit strikeouts for your man as he gets 12 punch-outs on 116 pitches. Fabulous job by Skeens. And I would imagine, if I had to guess, he's either going to throw Thursday Or if Jay Johnson wants to keep him on schedule for the regional, you may see him get an extra day of rest and he throws um, Friday. That's only if he'll only throw Friday if LSU wins that opening game on Wednesday morning because it's double elimination. You would hate to see LSU lose two and Skeens not get a chance to throw. After Skeens exit, Cooper comes on to face the lefty, which he walks. And then you see Thatcher Hurd come in and he does a really good job in the eighth. But the defense bit him right there as Thompson drops a pop-up with two outs, which scores a run, pulls Georgia back into within one. And then in the ninth, unfortunately, Thatcher Hurd uh, gives up the lead to Georgia as they tie it on two solo home runs. But then when things could have gone awry, he could have hung his head. 
could have allowed Georgia to really walk it off at that point. He picks himself back up as he comes out and throws really, really well for the uh, the remainder of his outing. And um, sort of a lot of emotion, a lot of grit at the end. And he kind of steamrolled through Georgia's lineup after that. So you hate to see him give up the lead. It's not good right there. But then he picks himself up. He throws really well. He dominates after that. And I love the emotion he showed at the end of the game as he was pumped for LSU to get the win. Hurd's line on the night, five innings pitched, three hits, two runs, two earned, one walk, which is massive for him, and then five Ks. So we know Hurd can extend, and it's going to be very interesting to see. I wonder if he gets to start on the Wednesday morning game in the SEC tournament because he threw Thursday night, right? So he has almost a whole week off, and you know he can extend. So it'll be interesting to see what Jay Johnson and them do with Hurd moving forward. And if he does get that start in the SEC tournament, then does that line him up possibly for a game one start in the regionals? So a lot of questions to be answered and only time will tell. In terms of the hitting side of things on a Friday night, it was an absolute bomb fest. For those that don't remember, if you want to know what Gorilla Ball was like, that's what it was like on Thursday night. LSU crushes six home runs and they score all of their runs by way of the bomb. I told y'all before, I think in the preview, that Georgia was a small ballpark. As you can see, it's 315 down the right field line. Both teams took advantage of a small right field and right center gap. And you can only imagine how many home runs LSU would hit if they played there all year. It's beyond me why Georgia doesn't go out and recruit the three biggest, baddest left-handed power hitters in the country. Throw those dudes some NIL money. They're 20 home runs plus with that short porch over there. Back to the Tigers, Joe Bear gets it going with the two-run shot in the second. And then there's really nothing going on for the LSU hitters all the way until the eighth inning. Travinsky stays absolutely white hot. He hits a solo shot. Thompson follows that up with a solo shot. And then the following inning, Cruz gets into the home run party with a home run of his own in the ninth. So finally, nice to see him get off that schneid there. Um, and then you see Pearson, right? Pearson comes through with a massive two-run home run in the 12th inning. And then Thompson follows that up with a solo shot to put an exclamation on that point. And you really saw LSU, they kind of faltered actually in the 11th as they had uh, bases loaded with Cruz up. He punches out. Then Tommy White grounds out. The pitcher kind of deflects it. The second baseman makes a diving play almost into center field to get the force out of second as he saves a run there. But LSU really probably could have won it in an inning earlier with your two best hitters, two of the best hitters in the country. They weren't able to get it done, but Pearson picked up the slack and Thompson in the 12th as he hits his second home run of the game. Moving on to Saturday, you know, what would Ty Floyd bring to the table? It's been kind of up and down, but lately it's been a lot more up than down for Ty Floyd. I will get into him a lot uh, a little bit later on in the podcast, but I thought he threw great, right? A little bit of a rocky start as he gives up a two-run home run to Parks Harbor in the first inning, but after that, he really settled down, and you really saw him uh, get comfortable in the game, and I thought he got stronger as he went on. Floyd puts up five straight zeros, which was massive, before he gives up another two-run home run in the seventh to Murillo, the shortstop, who really saw the ball well, swung the bat all weekend very well. He got a couple hits um, in the Friday night game, uh, double off of Paul Skeens as well. But Floyd did exactly what you need him to do in that number two spot, to follow up Skeens, and then to give uh, give you a really good start after you got the opening victory. On the on the night, um, Floyd goes seven innings pitched, five hits, four runs, four earned, one walk, which again is massive for Floyd, and seven punch outs for Ty. Just another really good outing. And you saw him mix all of his pitches once again, right? He's got the slider, the curveball, 
and then the changeup, and he was locating his fastball. And, you know, his fastball's got that high spin rate. It's got a lot of carry to it. And even at 94, it probably looks more like 97, 98. Maybe I'm just guessing here with those high RPMs. And he can just blow that by people at will, especially when he's locating it. So great job by Ty Floyd um, in, in the game two start. After Floyd, you saw Riley Cooper come on. And once again, to try to get Anderson out, he couldn't do that. But then you see Gavin Guidry come on. And he faced the middle of the order as he caved Condon and Tate. And then he rolled in the ninth inning to finish off the dogs. So I really like where Gavin Guidry is moving into postseason play. I'll get onto some of the pitchers that I think you can trust moving forward. But man, just a lot of uh hmm, a lot of balls. Look, I'm just gonna say it like that. So earmuffs, if you have young ones in the car, if you're offended, I apologize. But Gavin Guidry's just shown a lot of balls this year, right? Coming in as a freshman, being kind of thrown into that closer role having to grow up as he didn't see the mound until halfway through the season. So hats off to Gavin Guidry, Griffin Herring's another guy that's been phenomenal this year. So um, Guidry slams the door to secure the eight to four win for the Tigers. In terms of the hitting side of things, the LSU really didn't do too much. You know, they did enough in a three inning stretch to put the game away with how Floyd pitched and that's all you needed. But left-handed pitcher Charlie Goldstein had the Tigers off balance early. And LSU was aggressive early, and I like that. Goldstein didn't walk a lot of people coming into this game, so it was obvious LSU was going to come out the gate swinging. And they hit the ball hard, but they really couldn't get anything going early. They had a couple of chances with two outs in the first and the third innings with runners in scoring position, but they just couldn't get that key two-out hit. But in the fourth, LSU takes advantage of the free base war, right? The hit-by-pitches, the walks something that Jay Johnson preaches, something that this team does phenomenally well. They can't get it going with the sticks. They find a way to put things together with the walks and the hit by pitch, and they did that in the fourth inning as Goldstein kind of loses control there. So LSU scores three runs in the fourth on the back of a hit by pitch, three walks, then a single and a sack fly does the damage there. Then in the fifth, LSU comes right back again and puts up another crooked number. They get a run on a sack fly, and then Josh Pearson – has a 3-2 count, and he gets a massive 3-2, two RBI single there to extend the lead for another three runs. So they put up three in the fourth, three in the fifth, and the Tigers aren't done in the sixth as they come back and put up two runs in the sixth on the back of a Tommy Tank solo shot. And then a Travinsky, stop me if you've heard this recently, that dude is on fire, a Travinsky solo home run as well. LSU never threatened in the seventh, eighth, or ninth to close the game out. Look, all these games can't be six home runs, even though you hit some the night before and still a small ballpark. But in the end, um, they didn't do anything in that three-inning stretch at the end, but it's enough. Uh, the way Ty Floyd and then Gavin Guidry slammed the door, it was more than enough to get the victory for LSU as they win the series right there. Heading into Sunday, the situation was that if Arkansas lost again on Sunday, LSU is going to win the SEC. Florida had already lost, so Kentucky helped you out there. So you had a lot on the table, right? A chance to win the regular season SEC crown, a chance to sweep another series, and then and, uh, really a chance to finish off Georgia's season because those guys needed to win bad because you didn't know if Mississippi State was going to win or lose. So they needed a win to assure their spot in the SEC tournament. Moving on to Sunday, to me it was just another ho-hum performance, right? We've seen this from LSU on Sundays in the past, and they just kind of fiddle for it around. They don't really uh, – the pitching doesn't help them out. And the hitters, they do enough, but not quite. And they just could never get even with Georgia. So let's get into it right there. So on the pitching side of things, you saw Javen Coleman return to the mound 
for another game three starting spot. Last time he went 50 pitches, I was hoping to see him get up to 65, and that's exactly what he did as he, he hit 65 on the nose and hit out his outing. And Coleman looked okay to me. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was just okay. And his velocity is – it was down again. It was anywhere from 86 to 90, but he's still effective at that. That just goes to show you, as I said before, if you're a lefty, you don't have to throw 94, 95. If you can throw 89 to 92 as a lefty and you have another pitch for a strike and you can command your fastball, you are literally better than 80% of the college baseball pitches out there. It's proven. Look at the guy at Auburn. That's all Tommy Vale does. I always go back to him. Look at Hagen Smith and Hunter Holland at uh, Arkansas. They throw a little harder than that. The two kids from Vanderbilt, Holton throws hard. Futrell does not throw doesn't throw hard, quote unquote. I mean, he throws 90, right? He's not throwing 96, 97, okay? Lefties, locate your fastball, have another pitch. You can dominate in college. So I just think Javen Coleman's going to be fighting through it a little bit, probably until next year, obviously, right? Next fall, he should be right. He should be free and easy. He should have a couple pitches for a strike heading into the fall. And right now, LSU's just trying to get what they can out of him. But Coleman always does a good job of kind of keeping the game close, and that's exactly what he did. The defense kind of let him down in the second inning. And actually, when the defense lets you down, that extends your pitch count, right? That runs up your pitch count. So it probably hurt Jaden Coleman in terms of he may have could have gotten another inning out of his outing, but the defense didn't help him out. His line on the day, Coleman goes three innings pitched, four hits, four runs, three earned with two walks and two Ks. After that, the bullpen took over. And it was just more of the same, right? I don't know if Jay Johnson was uh, – I'm curious. you know. I wonder if Jay Johnson was like, look, I want you guys to show me something today because I'm making decisions in terms of the postseason, in terms of who I trust and who I don't trust. And those guys just really couldn't get it done. Um, after Coleman exits, you saw Dutton come on. He did okay. Christian Little come on, and he did not do very well. He did not have good stuff. He didn't have command really of anything. As he goes three walks and two-thirds of an inning, and hopefully, you know, you, you think he can just put the regular season aside and gain some confidence moving into the postseason. Then you saw Blake Money came on, and he didn't do great. But Griffin Herring, I thought Griffin Herring threw very well at the end of that ball game. He threw an inning and two-thirds, gives up one hit and three Ks, and he absolutely uh, made Connor Tate and Charlie Condon, the two- and three-hole hitters for Georgia, look silly. He punches out both of those guys. So that's really impressive for a freshman, right? Two of the better hitters in the SEC – a potential SEC freshman of the year candidate, potential national freshman of the year candidate, and Griffin Herring just made him look silly as he punches those two guys out. So in the end, look, game three felt like a typical game three for the most part with regards to LSU. The bullpen didn't help you out, um, and let's just move on to the hitters right now. Not bad, but not a great day for the hitters, in my opinion, on the whole. So, um, I thought it was a little bit of a letdown. When you think about what's at stake there, the chance to win the SEC regular season crown, right? You're calling yourself the powerhouse of college baseball. Your goal is to break through that pressure barrier. Your goal is to get to Omaha this year. That would have been a nice feather in your cap, and that's something you have to have, but it would be just a nice way to cap off the season. And on the back of uh, losing a series to Auburn and State, a really nice little exclamation uh, point heading into the SEC tournament, but they just couldn't get it done, you know? Uh, more of a start and stop performance from the hitters. Trey Morgan, once again, I love when he's pulling the ball. He's pulling the ball with power lately. He gets them going in the first inning with a big two-run blast. But after that, the bats go completely quiet as LSU does not get a hit until the sixth inning. So that's, was that, second, third, fourth, fifth? Four innings without a hit as they let Liam Sullivan really settle in. And when you go back and look at the play-by-play, -play, 
it was like pop up, strikeout, pop up, strikeout, ground out, nothing, not even a walk. But Beloso gets LSU back on the board in the sixth with a home run. And then Jay Johnson dips into his bag of tricks as he harkens back to his West Coast days. And I love the first and third double steal as Jared Jones was pitch inning and facing an 0 2 count. And you just had the feeling with Jones. Um, LSU's down in the game. It looked like Jones was going to punch out. LSU uh, really needed another run, it felt like, in that inning. So what happened with the left-handed pitcher on the mound? The guy on first base leaves early, and as he leaves early, the guy on third base takes off at the same time. You're hoping to draw a third from the pitcher. You want the pitcher to pick off the first base, which is exactly what he did. And by the time he picks off, you just hope that the first baseman cannot make the throw to home in time, which is a great play. Like, I've had that run against me in the past. The only thing you don't hope is that the pitcher is aware enough to know that when that guy at first leaves early, he needs to step off, look to home plate, and then probably get rid of the ball. As uh, That play worked to perfection right there as Thompson and Joe Bear pulled it off and LSU scratches a run. Tommy Tanks hits a solo home run in the seventh to make it 7-5, to five, but the pitchers continue to give up runs as they just cannot seem to throw up zeros during the middle stretch of that game. Um, in the eighth, you have first and second with Cruz and White up, but they can't seem to get a hit to drive in some more runs. In the ninth, LSU is down nine to five. They have bases loaded with one out. Joe Bear K's, Thompson pops up. And that was just kind of the story of the day, right? You could never get a big hit with runners in scoring position to tie the game up against Georgia or maybe to pull it to within one to where you put some pressure on that bullpen and they fold. So to me, it was just a game of missed opportunities from the pitching side of things. Because they weren't consistent. They couldn't throw up a zero. And the hitters just never could solve Georgia's pitching enough to put enough pressure on those guys. All right, really quick, let's go over in the preview episode, what were my keys to, to the weekend? So very quickly, my first key, Ty Floyd was the key, and I thought he was great. I already talked about that. Coming off an emotional win and extra innings on Thursday night, he got stung early on Friday but he did a great job settling into the game and gave the hitters a chance to get their feet underneath him as he absolutely dealt. So hats off to Ty Floyd. My second key, I thought the right-handed pitchers coming out of the bullpen would be key because if you remember, Georgia only had one lefty in the lineup the whole weekend. So that's why you saw Cooper come in, face one guy and get pulled because Jay likes to play the matchup game. And on Thursday, Hurd was great. Friday, Gidry was great. So my key was off to a great start. And then on Saturday, the bullpen and the righties kind of blew it. You know, the guy who threw the best was the lefty right there. So uh, that was kind of a miss by the team right there. And then the last key to the weekend, I said, don't let Charlie Condon and Connor Tate beat you. And they didn't, in my opinion, right? Connor goes one for 13 on the weekend with six Ks. Now, he did hit a two-run home run on Saturday. I don't think that's what ultimately beat you. So he really didn't. He hurt you all weekend. Right. You dominated him all weekend. And then Connor Tate, I thought you held him at bay as well. He goes three for 11. He hits a solo home run um, on Saturday. But once again, I don't think he beat you. So the three keys really kind of held up. Now, moving on to what are the three big things that I learned from the weekend? Number one, I really like where Ty Floyd is at right now. So I feel like I've been talking about Ty Floyd a lot. A lot. And if you think about it, if LSU wants to get to where they want to get, Ty Floyd is massive, okay? I've talked about it before. Forget the SEC tournament, okay? In a regional, I'm going to die on this hill. There's no reason at this point you put Ty Floyd in relief. I know there's been Twitter speculation. Leah Van even wrote an article about how Jay Johnson used his 2016 Arizona team uh, in different ways. You don't have enough trust in the bullpen 
to where you can just blow Ty Floyd's start out the water. And if he, say, comes in a relief of Javen Coleman and Coleman goes three and Floyd goes five, Floyd's done. Done ski. Okay? And if Skeens wins, say that's two wins, who are you going to throw in the game three that you feel confident about? Because, oh, by the way, if you lose game three in a regional, you got to come back in game four. And that's a disaster scenario for LSU's pitching staff. Okay? I'll get off my soapbox. But after the first inning home run, he settled down. Look, to go 116 pitches, I think that's massive as they continue to build him up, and it's getting hotter and hotter out there. I did some research. Listen to these numbers by Floyd. I know a lot of people don't trust Ty Floyd, but this is why I think you should trust Ty Floyd moving forward. And there's three keys right here for Floyd. In his last five outings, okay, last five SEC outings, he dealt against Ole Miss. He went eight and a third. A clunker versus Alabama, two and two-thirds. He dealt against Auburn in the first three innings, seven Ks. Then he had the fourth where he lost it, okay? Mississippi State, he dominated. Six innings pitched, one on run, and then once again, he dominated against Georgia again. So the key to me for Ty Floyd is two things. One, he needs to get through the batting order the first time, like unscathed, right, unharmed. Now, he gave up the home run to Georgia, but he was able to right himself, okay? So I think if he gets through the batting order once, he's going to be okay because it looks like as he settles into the game lately, he's been really, really good. Also, the walks. Check this stat out. When he threw well against Ole Miss, Mississippi State in Georgia, 21 in the third innings pitched by Ty Floyd in those three outings. Three walks. That is phenomenal. That is Paul Skeens-esque. Three walks, 21 in the third innings pitched in uh, his last three really, really good outings. But when you look at Bama and Auburn, Six and a third innings pitched, eight walks. That's it. That's your key for Ty Floyd. Limit the walks. Get through the first two or three innings relatively unscathed, right? Even though he gave up the two-run home run against Georgia in the first, like that was it. They got nothing in the second, nothing in the third. So if Ty Floyd can do that, he could be massive. Think regionals. Think super regionals, right? You got the best pitcher in the country going game one if you make it to a supers. Ty's got the chance to get you to Omaha. Okay, if he can continue to do this, his confidence should be sky high right now. You got to feel good as an LSU fan moving forward. The second big thing I learned from the weekend, I love this dude, but you got to rest Gavin Guidry, in my opinion. Rest that dude in the SEC tournament. Do I think Jay will? Nope. Do I think Gavin Guidry is going to go in and complain? Not complain, but say, hey, coach, I could use a rest. I'm still hurting. Nope. That dude's a gamer, bro. He's too tough. The dude's gotten hit by pitch umpteenth times, okay? And I just don't think Jay will do it, even though I think he should do it. The SEC tournament doesn't mean crap unless you win it. You just want some guys to throw. You want them to play well and take your butt, come home, and rest and get ready for the regionals. I think he is clearly still hurt. I do not have any inside information. You have to have Gidry moving forward. I still want him in the leadoff spot. I do not like Dylan Cruz in the leadoff spot, just my opinion. I think you could give Napolt some run. I think Napolt is very good defensively in the field. I think he's better than Gavin Dugas in the field. And I think Napolt could use some ABs, right? You've seen him pitch hit at times. They like to bring him in to bunt. There's nothing wrong with putting Napolt in the nine hole. Hopefully he can turn the lineup over, okay? Put Pearson in the leadoff spot, all right? I mean, if you want to bat Cruz, bat him there, even though I don't like him there. But I think Napolt should get some run. Let Gavin Dugas sit a couple games out. Let that shoulder get nice and healed. Obviously, I'm, a do- I'm not a doctor. I have no idea. What's wrong with his shoulder? But to me, he still looks hurt. Listen to this. Dugas went 0 for 11 this weekend. 
He is eight for his last 44 in the last four SEC series. Last four SEC series, Gavin Dugas is eight for 44. That is a 182 average. And in one of those games, he went four for four. So if you take out that four for four, my dude is four for 40. That is 100. He's batting 100. Okay? No bueno. You need this dude in the postseason. You need him to get right, to get healthy. Okay? He is massive in that leadoff spot. He gets hit. He can take walks. Um, he can lead the game off with power. I just feel like every time he's at the plate now, he's like 0-2 automatically. He's just going through a bad slump of, you know, pitchers. You know, he fouls off a pitch and it's a strike. Or it's a strike and then he fouls off a pitch. It just feels like he's always 0-2. Let's let Gavin Dugas rest. All right, the third big thing that I learned from this weekend. I've talked about it on several preview or review pods. I think you need four arms going into the postseason. Forget the SEC tournament. Regional, Super Regionals, hopefully Omaha. I think you need four arms that you can trust out of the bullpen, and I think you have them now. I think it's Hurd. I think it's Gavin Guidry, Griffin Herring, and then Cooper or Ackenhausen or both. I don't know where Nate Ackenhausen was this weekend. I haven't seen anything. I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know if they held him back by design because you need a lot of pitching in the SEC tournament. I have no idea where Bryce Collins was. It seemed like he was bad, then good. Now he's scuffling a little bit again. I don't know if he got demoted. No clue where those guys were. But I think the four guys you can trust moving forward, Hurd, Gidry, Herring, Cooper slash Ackenhausen, or both. I think all those guys can extend, which is a good thing. Okay. Now, look, you can use some other guys that can throw well, depending on the situation. They may be able to give you an inning or two when you're not necessarily expecting it. I just don't know if you can necessarily trust those other guys in um, high leverage situations. So when the tough outs are needed, those are the four guys I'm going to go to in the postseason. Look, in the postseason, right, if you see, assume Skeens is going to go seven or eight, and depending on the score, it may be six, right? then uh, hopefully you don't eat up too many innings, right? If Ty Floyd can give you six or seven again, the bullpen doesn't have to eat up too many innings. It's where you may only need four bullpen arms in a regional or super regional situation because your starters now can go so long. Look, I don't know if you agree or disagree. Let me know. You trust them or you don't trust them. You got to trust somebody, right? You got to put somebody out there and eat up some innings. But I just think that's who Jay will turn to uh, moving forward in the postseason. All right. Starting to wrap up here on the 60 Feet, 6 Inches LSU podcast. How did the get right, stay right list do? All right, get right. I had Beloso. I thought Kate had a really nice weekend. I'm going to call that a hit for me. He went four for 10 with a home run. He had three walks and four Ks. That's 400. I'll do the easy math for y'all. Beloso, a really nice weekend as he played first. Uh, I think every game he played first. Also on the get right, I had the bullpen. I had projected in the preview episode, I had projected the pin to eat up two innings on Friday three innings on Saturday, and six innings on Sunday. So I was close. The extra inning game got me on Friday night, okay? My goal was for them to go 11 innings and to give up five earned runs or less. That was the goal for me for this weekend. For the weekend, though, the pin went 12 innings pitched, 13 hits, seven runs, seven earned. So I was close, five walks, 13 Ks. So not a bad weekend coming off that Mississippi State disaster, but not uh, not great. Okay, I thought Hurd and Gidry Herring threw really well overall. Cooper made two appearances, but he only faced one guy each time. I'm not really worried about that. Like I said, you didn't see Ackenhausen or Collins. No clue what happened to those guys. But uh, I'm going to say that was I'll say it's a miss. Right. For the get right list right there on the stay right. I had Trey Morgan. Let's call Trey a push. I think he was locked in all weekend and kind of the victim of some Adam balls, meaning he barreled up a ton of balls. He just hit kind of some piss missiles all over the field. 
right at people. So I don't think the stats really do him justice. For the weekend, Trey went three for 13. That's 231 with a home run, three walks and two Ks. I love his confidence at the plate right now. I thought he was on everything. The stats really just didn't bear that out, so I'm going to call that a push. I had Hayden Travinsky on the stay right list. That's a hit as he went off again. Travinsky, four for 14 with two home runs. That's only 286, but you knew at some point he was going to have a down game, and that happened on Saturday as he went 0 for 4. But if you take that game out, he was 4 for 10 in Thursday and Friday night. So he seems to be locked in and loaded. And I would imagine it's going to continue, right? Malazzo is going to continue to catch schemes. Um, I think you're going to see Travinsky continue to catch Floyd. And then in a three-game series, flip a coin. It's been Travinsky lately with Malazzo coming in late for defensive replacement. I have no problem with that. And then lastly, on the stay right list, I had Paul Skeens just because I really wanted him to set the tone against Georgia on the road. So that was a hit. Another outstanding performance by Skeens. Already went over his line, seven innings pitched, two runs, 12 Ks. And as I said earlier, it'll be interesting to see when he throws. I think a lot of that's going to have to do with if LSU wins on Wednesday, they can lose on Thursday. Then they come back on Friday. I think Skeens may get pushed to Friday. If they lose on Wednesday, I would imagine Skeens throws Thursday because you want to play more than just two games in the SEC tournament so more guys can throw. All right, really quick, if you didn't have a chance to check out the SEC scoreboard, that's okay. I've got you covered right here. Here's a little bit of the SEC rundown. Auburn sweeps Mizzou, so I missed on that one. I had Auburn taking two out of three. Bama sweeps on Ole Miss. As I told you, Ole Miss pretty much quit. I nailed that one right there. Florida takes two out of three for Kentucky. I missed on that one as I had the Cats taking two out of three at home. Vandy takes two out of three from Arkansas. A lot of people didn't see that coming, but I did. So I'm going to say that was a hit for me. Um, it's some very exciting games, actually. I mean, uh, some the, you need to go back and look at game two and three because those are nuts. Uh, A&M takes two out of three from Mississippi State on the road. I thought Mississippi State would show up, being that they really needed those wins, but they couldn't get it done. Uh, the Aggies win that series. And then finally, Tennessee wins the series versus South Carolina as they take two out of three from the Gamecocks. And I missed that one as well. All right, guys. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of the LSU versus Georgia review. Up next, LSU plays their first game in the SEC tournament as they will take on the winner of the Georgia versus South Carolina game on Tuesday. LSU plays bright and early at 9.30 in the morning. So catch that game on the radio or while you're sitting there at work. Get some coffee ready for that one. Those guys are going to have an early wake-up call in the hotel. But I tell you what, in those games, whoever comes out swinging early, whoever puts runs on the board early, most of the time is going to win that game. Okay? because. Uh, Man, that's just that's just really early. You know, they're probably not going they're not going to hit BP on the field. They're going to hit batting practice in the cages. Um, there's going to be limited field time, right? They're not going to go through a whole pregame routine just because it's so early. So it'll be interesting to see how LSU comes out in that game, and it's also going to be very interesting to see who starts. I don't know if it's going to be Thatcher Hurd, uh, Nate Ackenhausen, or maybe even Blake Money as your candidates to start. So. As a reminder, guys, y'all subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow me on Twitter. The account is at 60FP6INLSUPOD. I will try to get some updates throughout the week um, after LSU's games. They'll probably only be in podcast for, version. Um, you know, I'm just kind of undecided. So just stay tuned to the Twitter account. I'll let you know what's going on. Um, and that's it, guys. That's going to do it for the Georgia Review. Look, let's move on to the postseason now. It's funny because now all those things you worked up to to get to where you are, 
now it's almost like once you hit the postseason, the mindset of those players need to be forget what had happened, right? If I had a good year, great, I can build off that. If I had a bad year, forget about it, move on. Look, just because you hit 400 in this, uh, you know, in the regular season and you hit 18 home runs doesn't mean you're going to keep it going in the postseason, right? Everything amps up. The pitcher's a little more locked in. Um, the pressure builds, right? The, the stakes are higher, as we all know. So, it'll, you know, the postseason is just an animal unto itself. So uh, interested to see how those guys respond in Hoover and then once they head home to the box for a regional. So until next time, y'all make sure to take out, check out the podcast on all major audio platforms. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And y'all, please, y'all be safe out there. And as always, go Tigers.